The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy Dex with the I Am Pitch Podcast, and we are back for another episode. I know it's been a minute, and I promise you all, but I had an episode that I was going to put out last week. However, I don't know what it is, but I've been having a lot of connection, internet connectivity. Oh, my God. So you can tell it's been a minute. I've been having a lot of internet connectivity issues. I mean, so I've not been able to get the show out because Last week, I was interviewing Eric Tanzi from the Failure to Stop podcast. Y'all know me. I love Failure to Stop because they've showed me a lot of love. Tanzi and the crew over there, shout out to those guys, man. If you're not following Failure to Stop, you need to go follow Failure to Stop. Got a lot of great cop stuff going on over there. yo. So I was interviewing him, and I swear, I think we were like 15 minutes into the interview, and just my internet just completely shut down. And so... Now, I just started it up today again. I was like, man, I'm going to give this a shot again. So I got a lot of lag and a lot going on with the connection issues. I'm not sure what's going on, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. And I'm going to tell you all now, I've literally been down here in front of this computer for an hour trying to get all this stuff together, and I'm still having issues. So if anything cuts out, sounds bad, or blur, if it's blurry, please forgive me. Just technology issues. So I'm not going to take the brunt responsibility for that because I am not the man that you call when your internet broke. I'm the man you call when you got issues and you don't know how to solve your own life's problems because you got issues with your baby mama and your baby daddy and you feel like you're about to kill each other. I'm the man you call for that. I can handle that, but I can't handle technology issues. You know, so I've had a lot of lot going on today. So I'm a little frustrated and I'm a little tired and exhausted from just dealing with the technical side of this today. But yet and still, here we are. Thank you all for coming back. Like I said, sorry for the absence. And thank y'all for just hanging in with me, hanging in there with me through all this I got going on this year, a lot going on. But yet still, y'all are here. And like I told y'all before, there are plenty of other podcasts out there. You know, there are people that like my show, people that don't care for it. That's fine, whatever. But for those of you that continue to come back and tune in to listen to what I have to say and value my opinion, thank you all very, very, very much. You all are appreciated. Every download. Told you it means the world to me, man. So, with that said, we're gonna go ahead and get on with the show because like I said, I'm a little I'm about an hour behind, and I got stuff to do. I go go gotta go cut the grass because I gotta keep the white people around me happy. I don't want to be that one black house on the street with the uncut unkept yard. But I know that there's one white lady, well, two white ladies that if I didn't cut my grass and they lived in my neighborhood, they would still love me because I don't know what it is. But just rent white women love me, man. They just got this thing. They just love me. They cherish this dark chocolate skin. I don't know what it is, but it's starting to get awkward. You know, but my wife, and I, think, I don't think a lot of white people realize this, but when you meet black people, you don't have to go over the edge and over the top when you see something different about us. Like my wife's hair, people see it like white people. Oh my God, your hair is so beautiful. And my wife hates it. She gets annoyed. And my wife, like me, we're not mean, angry people. We're not a-holes. I mean, we're really not controversial. I mean, usually when people do stuff like that, I mean, we know that they're not doing it from a place of negativity and they're not trying to be jerks about it. But I mean, 
it just gets a little old and a little annoying because we're just people, man. We're just people. We have black skin. Hair's a little different. You can tell mine ain't that much, but, but, but we don't need all the extra over the top. You can just say hi. And then you can say, hey, I really like your hair. That's all you got to say. It just stop right there. That you don't have to go no further. You don't have to go try to touch it. You don't have to try to put your fingers in it. You don't have to ask all these questions. It don't matter. Just appreciate it for what it is and move on. But for me, on the other hand, I don't know what it is, but people gravitate towards me. People told me I have like an aura or something. And I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I smile too much. Maybe I need to smile a little less. But people feel real comfortable coming up to me and just talking about my skin and just how beautiful it is. Not people. A lot of white ladies, man. I never had black dudes do it. It's only it's older white women. Hell, I remember in uh when I was in Arizona, right around the uh time of the George Floyd thing going on, I was at this Walmart, some random white lady, just old white lady. They got a picture of that lady. She just walked up to me and says, Can I give you a hug? I'm the only Negro around for and for miles. She sees me, she just wants to give me a hug. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Okay. So I remember taking a picture with her and this is people wanting black people to feel okay and you know special and like I'm here for you. And I was like, hey, sweetie, I'm good. I get plenty of hugs from everywhere else. Yo. But you know, for me, it was a couple weeks ago. No, excuse me, about a month ago. I was working off duty downtown at, for a terminated employee. I go into the building to make sure everything's fine. And as I'm walking past this lady sitting at a desk, this older white lady, she has to be in her 50s, stops everything she's doing, looks at me. And just as I'm walking, she's following me. And I'm like, oh, God, what's this lady about to say to me? And I knew it was about to be something. She says, oh, my God, you look like Shaq. I was like, oh, haven't heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, but so I go do my thing. I sit with the manager, talk to them. I escort the person that got terminated out of the building down to their car. And then I go back in because I'm going to sit inside the office and make sure the person doesn't come back and try to hurt anybody. And then from around the corner. Here this lady comes, just, oh, my God, you look just like, oh, I can't believe how much you look like Shaq. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, that nigga is seven foot two, like 300 something pounds. I am six foot on a good day, 5'11 for the most part. But I'll take a, I'll take six foot. I'll take six foot. Baby. And he's got millions upon millions of dollars. And me. I'm working here for about 70 bucks an hour to make sure that nobody come here and try to kill y'all. He and I are not the same. We don't look even close. Like that man's like 50 years old. I'm 39. You see somebody with black skin and think that every black person look alike. That is not the case. We do not. Now, are there some people I'll say, hey, my, my favorite? Of course there are. But for the most part, Shaq is not one of them, bro. He's an older man. Shaq's probably, probably 50, higher than 50, probably like 55, close to 60. I am not. Are you telling me that I look old? No, I am not. I am not Shaq, man. Not even close. But this is what I expect from people that don't see black people a lot, except for on TV or when they cut on their phone. And this is not and the fact for me is if you think I look like somebody, that's cool. But I've seen people that look like people. And I'm like, hey, but that dude kind of looks like such and such. And I keep it moving. I don't have a whole conversation with this person about how they look like somebody because nobody wants to have that conversation. Nobody does. And it gets old. And she just kept going. Oh, my God. This is so incredible. I'm like, lady, do you want me to sign an autograph? Do you like Jesus? Like, And you just, she just made us so uncomfortable. But, but that's just the life I live, having dark skin in this country, man. People get weird. 
Like I said, they're not doing it from a place of ill will or ill intent. People just get funny. So case in point, the other incident I had a couple weeks ago in my town that I live in, there's not a lot of black people. There are some sprinkles of us, but I'm one. I'm no. I I deserve to live here, man. I deserve to live in this tax bracket because I work hard, and I want my kids to have a good education and live in a nice and safe environment. So that's why we chose to live here. We knew there's more white people over here. I don't care. They don't bother me. But I tell you what does bother me. As I was at walking up to the gas station to get a delicious Gatorade Zero because you know. I am black and I got the sugars and I can't have all that sugar. I'm trying to live a long time. I don't want to lose any limbs. So I'm going to the store and I see this white lady and I could tell by the way she was looking at me. I knew she was weird. One, because she was wearing a mask, a red mask with glitter on it, a face mask that we all used to wear in COVID, but ain't nobody wearing no more. And the fact is she also had on a long jean skirt. And I will talk about people that women that wear long jean skirts because I know y'all are from a certain religious sect, just like my wife was. And I know y'all a little weird. Not saying y'all are bad people, but y'all a little funny, y'all a little strange. My wife grew up in it, and I asked her when, when we got uh, started dating, I was like, you still wearing those skirts? All right, just had to check. You know, I gave her permission to wear jeans. You know, the man of the house, I hold it down. She do what I tell her. Not, not really. <laughs> not really. She's a free woman in America, man. She wear whatever she want. I don't care what religion says about what you should wear get out of here we ain't doing that baby and as i'm sitting there you know i'm walking to the door i'm going to be a gentleman i hold the door for her and as she walked past me i could just see her eyes grazing me and i'm just like oh god here we go she about to say something crazy and she walks past me and i walk in she stops and turns around and looks at me i'm sorry i've got to tell you this your skin is so beautiful and just the way she said it and looked at me, I just I got real uncomfortable, real uncomfortable. Usually I don't, it's hard to make me uncomfortable, really hard, yo, but it, this made me super uncomfortable. And all I could say, like I said, we're not controversial. I'm not the type to be like, man, get out of my face, lady. I'm like, oh, oh, well, thank you very much, ma'am. My parents taught me manners, and I know this lady's not trying to hurt me. She's not trying to be a jerk. She's just trying to admire me and let me know I'm white and I'm safe. You're okay here with me, black fella. You're okay. You're beautiful. And so she's just sitting there. And the next thing you know, she starts talking to me. And I'm like, oh, God, here the door has been open. And I open the door because I don't know how to be a jerk in these certain conversations sometimes. But, but the door's open. And then she says, you know, when I was a young girl, I used to lay in my bed at night and cry to God because I didn't have enough melanin. And I wanted to have black skin because it's so beautiful and then she looks at her hand and points to it and says it's crazy how he gives some of us so little and then she puts her finger on mine and says and some of others so so much i was like oh boy Whew, we really <laughs> we're really going there yo and i told her i was like well i think maybe he gave me a little too much because i used to get picked on a lot for having a lot of it and then she was oh that's horrible that's awful you know, there was a young black kid in my class and our teacher was a racist bigot and said something to him one day. And I remember I stood up and I picked up my chair and I threw it against the wall and I got expelled. But I was standing up for him because I would not tolerate that. And I'm just like, OK, clearly you are the savior of the Negroes. Thank you for saving that young black child's life from your evil, racist, horrible teacher. Can I get my Gatorade is all I'm thinking. I just want to get my Gatorade. But the next thing you know, but she's talking about. Princess Jasmine and Pocahontas skin color. And I'm just like, 
man, if I don't walk away from this lady, I'm going to end up in her basement hanging from hooks, skinned alive. And on weekends after five o'clock, she's going to be walking around wearing my skin, talking about how good it feels and how beautiful it is, bro. Like complete weirdo vibes. And like I said, not that the lady's a bad lady, but they... We just don't have these. We don't have to have these conversations about how great my skin is. You know, if you some, if you know me and you've been around me, hey, Dex, you're looking good today. I mean, your skin's glowing. It's just glistening. Yeah, like I'm okay with that. But a random person on my way into the store to buy the blue Gatorade Zero, no sir. You know, it's no, it just works fine. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Nice to see you, man. You look good. Have a good day. All right. It's hot out here. Yeah, it sure is hot. Yeah. yeah. Now, we could just have a normal, regular conversation. We don't need to have the excess, but I guess maybe she don't get out the house much. She got the jean skirt on. All, all I'm thinking. Maybe she don't get out much, and I don't know where she's been the last couple of years, but hey, man, we, this, we don't need to be doing this, man. This does not make me feel welcome or comfortable. If anything, I feel more comfortable when I see my friends and be like, look at this black ass right here. Look at this black ass nigga. Like that, that to me, that's a bit more appropriate. And I actually prefer that more because that's not awkward. That's my friends. We're doing what we do. You know, black jokes are my from my homies. Like, man, you black as hell. But hey, I'm a lot more comfortable with that because I know the people doing and saying it to me. And it's absolutely okay. But a random stranger who wants to just hang me up in her basement and walk around in my skin. I mean, I can only assume that because no, I don't have these in these in these uh, interactions with people all the time. It's it happens a lot more to me than most people. But my God, man, this is not okay. So, if, to my white friends out there, my white listeners, do me a favor: be normal. It's okay. You don't have to let black people know how much you like BET and how much you love Barack Obama. You don't have to do it. You know what you can just do? Just smile and wave. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good to see you now. Keep going. Hey, all right. I like that guy. That's a nice guy. He's one of the good ones right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I tell you, it's crazy white women, man. I don't know what it is, dude, but white women love me. Maybe I'm like Wayne Brady because white people love Wayne Brady. <laughs> There's something about white people love Dexter Pitts. I don't know what it is, but a little awkward, a little awkward, but that's just what it is with crazy white women. And since we're on the topic of crazy white women, I got to tell y'all, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. When we talk, I'm talking about the crazy white lady on the plane from that episode a couple months ago where she was on the plane and started getting all crazy about, I'm telling y'all right now, but that person back there, He's not real. Of course, she used a little better colorful language and I'm trying to cut down on my colorful language. So, but I'm not going to say what she said, but you know, it is what it is. But hey, I was just looking at this and I'm, it's so crazy baby, how the internet has turned this lady into like the sensation. And no, nobody knows her, but everybody's like, man, man, she saw something, bro. Just the way she was acting. She saw something. She saw something. I don't know if y'all recall, but on one of my episodes, a couple episodes ago, I told y'all. I was like, the only reason that this lady is being given the benefit of a doubt and everybody thinks she really saw something is because she's super hot. She's sexy as heck. Yeah, she looks good. And that's the only reason where everybody's like, nah, man, she can't be crazy, bro. I told you, I was like, man, I see people like this all the time that look absolutely normal, look better than the average person, and they got hella issues. I don't know if the lady been drinking. 
drugs or she needs to be heavily medicated to deal with her imaginary friends that she's seen on that plane. Yo, but I was like, man, this lady is crazy. And to prove it, well, which is weird, she comes out and posts a video. And so it's out the bag now. Everybody knows who the crazy plane lady is. And I honestly, I was surprised that she actually made a video and kind of put it out there. Well, she didn't. it was weird because she didn't really say a whole lot about the incident, but she just wanted to apologize to people. And so for me, I was just kind of like, okay, this is going to be interesting. So I wanted to hear it out. Hi, everyone. It's me, Tiffany Gomez, probably better known as the crazy plain lady, which is completely warranted. Absolutely. As you know, I have been unwilling to speak on the viral video, but I do finally feel that it's time. First and foremost, I want to take full accountability for my actions. They were completely unacceptable. Distressed or not, I should have been, I should have been in control of my emotions and that was not the case. That's because you were drunk or you were high. Completely unnecessary. And I want to apologize to everyone on that plane, especially those that had children aboard. Mm-hmm. Can imagine going through that and trying to explain to your kid what in the world just happened. We all have our bad moments. Um, yes, we do. Some far yes, we worse do. Than Especially others. when we drink or take and drugs before getting on a plane. To be caught on camera for the whole world to see multiple times. Sorry. Oh. Try not to sound like Minnie Mouse. Um, this chick is crazy, y'all. This chick is crazy. Well, it has been really comical for everyone, <laughs> um, and I have highly enjoyed so many of the memes. On the flip side, it is very invasive, and well, that's what you get when you go viral. Unkind. And I don't know what I would do without the love and support of my friends and family. All right, that's enough of Tiffany Gomez, y'all. But hey, I'm telling y'all, that chick is crazy. And the even worse was the fact that after she was off the plane, don't let that plane leave. Don't let him leave. I'm just like, man. And, and y'all thought that this chick was, oh, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. Let me bring y'all's attention to a little something I discovered years ago. Very famous video, but I'm going to go with the picture. It is called the crazy hot scale voila we're gonna look at the crazy hot scale for her now if you all will look and see follow my pointer with my mouse she is all the way up here some people gonna say you know yeah people that's gonna say she's an eight she's a nine man hey she's a banger man i ain't gonna lie she's a very very attractive lady but she is a 10 on the hot axis to me she's very nice looking lady. Let's not let's not undercut her. All right. Very nice looking lady. Any dude out here be like, would not turn her down. Let's be honest. But she's also up here on the crazy axis. And if you look at the crazy axis, it starts at four because there's no woman on this earth, even my lovely wife, that ain't got a little bit of crazy in them. And so it starts at four. Well, Tiffany Gomez is all the way up here at a 10. So she's a 10 for 10 on the crazy hot scale, which means she is in the danger zone, y'all. So for all you single guys out there that are looking for a girl, let me tell you, 
You get with a Tiffany, man. She's going to look good on your arm, bro, but she's going to cause you a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of late nights of staying up, man, with mental anguish because that chick is out of her mind. There's no, uh, man, you know, the CIA, man, they working on doing stuff on the planes and AI robots. I'm like, bro, no. If there, if there was somebody, something on that plane, someone else would have saw it. I'm not giving this lady the benefit of a doubt because I know from my many years in police work in this profession that there are some people that just need to be medicated, probably need to put the bottle down and probably need to stop taking drugs before you board a flight. What happened with her was just, it was unfortunate. I hate that it happened, yo, but let's not sit here and give this woman the benefit of a doubt because she's a pretty white lady. And my guy let's say, yeah, she looked good, yo, but then we... Don't nobody want or need that in her life. She, and I'm telling you, it was probably me she saw on there looking at how beautiful my skin was. And, and that guy with that beautiful skin back there, he can't be real because his skin is so beautiful. Oh, boy. Man, just... Uh-oh. Hold on one second. Oh, something crashed on me. All right. Nope. We're going to keep the show going, though. Keep the show going. I told you I'm having connection activities and problems. I don't know what's going on, man, but... But while we're on the topic of crazy people, but let's be honest, there's people crazy people come in all colors and cultures. I in 13 years in law enforcement, I've had crazy women, men, black, white, Asian, you name it. I've then seen it, man. It's crazy is crazy. And that lets me know that the black soldier in Korea from a few months ago that defected to North Korea because he didn't want to go back to America. I told y'all this dude is crazy. He has to have some sort of mental illness because when you are a black person in Korea, in South Korea, you don't think to yourself, you know what? I'm going to be safer in North Korea because the American military in America is this evil white nation and they're going to punish me for being black. I'm going to go to North Korea where I'm going to be the only Negro in the entire country. No sane person would think that in their mind that they're no sane black person is going to think I'm going to be safe and okay in North Korea. But for some odd reason, the North Korean military and government officials have spoken out and said that the uh, soldier has defected to North Korea because of racism in America, which you can't take anything that North Korea says as truth because it's a totalitarian country ran by a dictator. And here's the article here from NPR. North Korea says a U.S. soldier crossed its border because of racism in America. North Korea says that the U.S. soldier who entered the country from South Korea was fleeing abuse and racism in the U.S. military. Now, I will tell you this. You cross out racism. OK, and just go with abuse in the military. I could absolutely believe believe that and see it because I tell people ain't nothing. When you are a private in the military, you are treated like absolute dog crap. Just kind of part of the territory, man. It sucks being a private in the army. They say slavery don't exist. I was like, I, I challenge you. Have you never been a E3 or below in the military? It absolutely still does. <laughs> so the official Korean Central News Agency said that initial findings of an official investigation showed King admitted to entering the North, the entering the North illegally, and that he was motivated motivated by illegal ill feeling against inhuman maltreatment and racial discrimination within the U.S. Army. It added that while that while he was willing to seek refuge in North Korea or a third country, he was disillusioned about inequality in American society. Now, that's absolutely 
bizarre to hear that coming from North Korea and how horrible they treat all their people and their citizens in their country and the fact that everybody's starving. But of course, North Korea is going to capitalize on this incident by taking this severely menti mentally ill gentleman who probably should have never been let into the military. But now they're using it to their quote unquote advantage to cast America in a negative light, which America does uh, cast itself in a negative light all on its own without any help from North Korea. We don't need North Korea to sit here and show us that, man, hey, there's problems in America. But the last people I'm going to take advice from and listen to about racism in America is North Korea. Like I said, this guy, this guy, poor this soldier, don't ask me, poor soldier, this guy was, he's ill, man, absolutely mentally ill because no conscious black person I know is going to think they're going to be better off in North Korea. But the question is, what's really going to happen to this guy, the soldier, now that he's in the hands of the North Koreans? And the thing is, did he say this stuff? Maybe he said that, but then again, can you really take a schizophrenic bipolar person's word as gospel? Can you really take what they say as, yeah, yeah I believe this dude. There's nothing about this incident or the statement from North Korea that makes me believe that this was said or wasn't said for the most part, but it's just, we have to look at the totality of the circumstances. And like I said, we don't know this guy's history. We just know this dude was in a lot of trouble with the military and he had been locked up and arrested for fighting and just he's having a lot of problems, man. And when you have a lot of issues, you join the military, your issues don't get better. Your issues get exacerbated, man. And you got to, I tell people all the time, there's people that I remember them before we deployed to Iraq and that we had never been to war before, been to combat. And I was like, this fool is crazy. And guess what? The crazy got magnified by going to war and going to combat. And this dude is probably one of those guys that had a lot of issues that, like I said, should have never been let into the military. But because the military has lowered the bar for entry and just everybody's coming in and man, this guy's got all these issues, gets in all these problems. And now he defects quote-unquote defects to north korea which he did run across the border and turn himself in but i highly doubt it was because he thinks he's better off in a country full of koreans where there is not one black person i even researched it there's no black there's not one black person in north korea now if somebody can prove me wrong and find that please let me know send me an email at iampits at yahoo.com and prove to me that there is one black person in north korea i've, I've just not seen it now, there might be some Africans out of there working on a temporarily temporary basis because I know North Korea has a lot of business dealings with Senegal. yo. But other than that, I mean, I really don't know much about North Korea, but I'm pretty sure I've seen a lot of Korean footage from the wars. And I ain't never seen one black person in a in a in a North Korean military uniform or just in a general capacity, just chilling and hanging out in a Pyongyang, man, that, that ain't happening. But apparently, we'll see what happens with this guy. As I said, this dude's bad bargaining chips. And personally, I'm of the belief that, bro, if you turn yourself in, you flee your country, whether regardless of your mental status, and you turn yourself into to another country, bro, I'm not sending people to die to look for you because you made this decision. I'm not doing it. I'm not. I would not put the lives at risk of American fighting men and women to bring you back to a place that you ran off to. I'm just not doing it. Hey, that's what you want. You are on your own, man. But like I said, you know, crazy people, it, it, crazy people are amongst us. Crazy people are just part of America. And I'll tell you, when we talk about America and crazy people, like I said, it's just a giant pot of, man, just unwell people out here.
And I came across this article the other day and I found it very, very interesting. And I thought to myself, this has to be, and this is, this is probably something that should be in the news, but I don't think the news is going to tell us that Joe Biden has a black son. Yes, absolutely. Joe Biden has a black son. And I will prove it with this article that I'm about to read to you all. If you don't believe me, tell me that this would not be somebody with the last name Biden. All right, pull up. Barnes and Noble sniffer, man sniffing women in store, released despite history. A California man caught on a viral TikTok sniffing women's butts at Barnes and Noble was arrested last week, but he's already back out on the streets despite a lengthy criminal record. The disturbing video, this disturbing clip made the rounds online last week. The man, who law enforcement believes is 36 year old, Kasley Karan Crowder is seen going up to women from behind and allegedly smelling them. Now, typically, I will tell you all, I don't like people that go out just to make content. I can't stand content creators. But first, I am very happy that this lady actually did that. And look at this guy, man. My God, don't tell a person that going around sniffing people that is he's light skinned too. Do you know he's got to have a last name of Biden? But they paid him off. They paid the, his mom off and said, hey, he can't have the last name Biden. We'll give him some money and just kick him back into the world. So this is clearly Joe Biden. So look at these ears. My God, look at those things, man. You see this dude coming and just think like, man, this dude is about to do something seriously messed up and <laughs> seriously messed up to me. But man, it's just bizarre. And then I remember I, I started watching the video. I'm going to play Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Not bad. Look at this guy. Him, seeing that he's done the same thing to them in different stores or whatnot. Dude's a predator, man. Before, Khaleesi Karen Crowder was accused of peeping into a Glendale home with kids inside. Law enforcement sources say he was arrested and released days later. My heart drops. My heart drops when I was first told it and then. Bro, like what the heck? So Biden has another child out here that he needs to claim and that he needs to get under control because this is absolutely unacceptable in any American society. Now, years ago, before I had my daughter who just turned 10, I probably would have been like, ah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, what it is, what it is. But I try to imagine if that was my daughter and there she told me that there was some dude in a store sniffing her, bro. I would flip my lid and I would go find this dude and I would rip them giant ears off his head and beat him to death with it because that is how much I love my daughter. And I'm not going to put up with a predator walking around sniffing women, man, because that could be my daughter, bro. Like, that's absolutely insane, you know? And the fact that this man is back out and has continued to be a repeated offender and that these women ain't getting no justice. I know what y'all thinking. Well, it's just different people, man. It's not that big. Yes, it's a very big deal. It always starts small with these small things with these people. Then it escalates and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, they're sexually assaulting and raping women. 
And we can't afford to have that in this society. And it still blows and baffles my mind how we have a president who does all these things and literally is a predator. I don't care what anybody says. I've seen the videos of Joe Biden. We've all seen the videos. Yo. This dude is a predator. And this guy is a chip off the old Biden block. Of course, you know, this is a little bit comedy. I know that it's not really Biden's son. I'm just saying, if he did, like what Barack Obama said back in the day, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. If, if Biden had a son, a black son, he would look like Carly. <laughs> yeah, but man, so we're going to keep it rolling, man, since we, we got all this going on. And we're, so while we're on the topic of criminals not really getting justice for their crimes that they committed, man, it's so crazy that we pay all this money in taxes. And our government is not taking care of us and our citizens because we continue to let these people out and run the street. You know? And we continue to tie the hands of officers and cops who are sworn to uphold and protect the law and the Constitution and protect the citizens in these cities. That's what we have police for. But for some odd reason, it's crime in America right now. I can't explain what is going on with America, but man, it is out of control. I mean, we just here in Louisville, we had two people killed at a restaurant uh the other morning and like five other shot man at southern bar southern lounge man and it's just every city in america especially these giant these big giant democratic cesspools ran by democrats man we all see what's going on and chain the crime is off the chain and out of control man and one of these places is also seattle and i've seen so many documentaries recently on seattle there's one recently called seattle is dying it just shows how bad Seattle has become over the years. I mean, I can see that here in my own city in Louisville, bro. It's atrocious the conditions, man. Homeless people everywhere, people pissing and crapping on the streets, and just there's literally no rule of law. It's just anarchy right now, you know, and just people are getting shot and killed. And man, our detectives and police officers are so overworked and everyone's tired. Like, I'm pretty sure that there have been people that have died in the in, in the I'm sure that the incident was probably under suspicious circumstances, but I guarantee you. But because there's nobody around, they just write it off as a natural death. And that's probably not the case because I've seen some recent interesting cases here from myself in Louisville where I was like, this looks suspicious. They're like, nah, it ain't suspicious, bro. He gone, yo. But that's just the way our cities are going right now. And I think that this will always continue to happen until the citizens start to stand up and say, this is not acceptable. But even more. We need police officers to start standing up and speaking out and speaking the truth and saying, hey, this is not OK. And this is not what I signed up for. I did not sign up for to just sit on the sideline you know, while crime just runs rampant in the city. And I have these powers to arrest people and I do my job, but the court system doesn't do its job. But then you have this recent epidemic where I I'm not going to say epidemic, but recently I've noticed with a lot of officers that are getting close to retirement. I was talking to a LMPD major a couple months ago where I was leaving him at a job and we were talking, not a bad guy, yo, but he's just saying, man, this place is such bull crap and the way they're operating, doing things is just wrong and I hate it and I, I can't stand how they're doing things, yo. And in my mind, I'm like, if you know these things are going on, you don't like them. How come you don't speak out against them? And I realized that people, officers, not people, officers are so afraid to speak out. Because all they want to do is they put in all this time and they want to, you know, this time in the street and done all this stuff. And they all they, they want their pension. They want to go. 
But my problem is being that now that these officers are getting to the point you know, to where they now have their pensions, they now want to speak up and be brave and bold and say, this is going on and this is wrong after the fact, after they secured their bag and got the pension and their money. So in comes the story of this uh, police officer, a uh, lieutenant from Seattle PD. And the article right here, let me go ahead and pull it up. And before I say this, man, I'm not, I don't know this lady. I don't know anything about her, but I'm not going to say she's a coward. I'm not going to say that she's a bad person or a bad cop because I don't know her. I don't know anything about her. I listened to an interview she did on another podcast and I don't think she's a bad lady, but at the same time, I don't think she. we should be praising people that decide to speak up after they're safe. It says retired Seattle cop unloads on spineless mayor and extremist city council in brutal resignation letter. Retired Lieutenant Jessica Taylor unloaded on Seattle leaders in an unfiltered, raw, and un unapologetic resignation letter. Let's be clear, it wasn't a resignation letter. It was a, she, she retired, or I think she got a medical retirement, but she was out of there, but she, she was gone. So it's not a resignation letter. But for me, it's like, if you're going to be in the job for 23 years, and you see all the stuff going on, and then all of a sudden you decide you're done, you're leaving, or you can't, you're hurting, you can't do the job anymore. And then all of a sudden you want to stand up and speak out and say all these things that are wrong. I got a problem with that because my thing is, man, if you're going to stand up for me, stand up for me while you're in a position to do it. Don't wait till you're good, safe, and secure, and you got your bag and you got your money. And then you decide to stand up for me afterwards. And my thing is, if you see all these things going on in uniform, yo, and you're not speaking out against the wrongdoing when it's in your face, you are literally part of the problem. And now I'm saying, I don't know her. I don't know. Maybe she did stand up and say something to some people behind scenes. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. I'm only going off of the information I have available at what she said during this interview, yo. But so it, this is my thing, man. Like, like what I don't care for is just people just deciding to stand up after the fact it drives me crazy and then i've no i've made some comments on this online and people were like well who's gonna pay her bills if she gets fired and who's gonna do this for her? she doesn't have no have the you no know, the right to she has the right to stand up and speak after she retires i'm like yeah she does dude but it's just to me it's kind of like imagine being in germany during the 1930s and 40s during the holocaust and then imagine you know all these people are trapped in these Holocaust camps and the Germans and Nazis are doing these horrible things to people and you have knowledge about it. Then in comes America storming the beaches of Normandy, sweeping across the European, the European continent. And then the Americans go in and free everybody and the danger and trouble is over and everybody's free. And then you go up to a Jewish person and tell them, man, I just got to tell you, man, the stuff's been going on and you just tell them all these unfiltered thoughts and you just put it all out there after the fact that it's done and over what is that person going to say to you well if you knew all this how come you didn't try to help me beforehand it's kind of pointless now that the americans have already freed us and my all everybody's already died everybody's gotten sick and the nazis have done all this evil stuff already but you had knowledge of this but you didn't do or say anything about it but yet here you are telling me this wanting me to pat you on the back for telling me this after I'm out of danger and after the incident's over, man. 
like I said, man, my, my biggest issue is if you don't stand up for me while you're on the job, don't try to stand up for me now. Stand up for me when you're in the position to do something. Stand up for me when you have skin in the game still. Stand up for me when you have something to lose. I don't want you to stand up for me afterwards to speak good for me. Man, when you're in the position to make change and do things and make things happen, you have to do it. Honestly, it's our job as police officers to stand up and speak up against wrongdoing, even when it's by people who wear the same uniform as us and politicians. Politicians are not a special protected class of people. They don't get to just do what they want, although that's what they're doing right now, but they don't just get to do what they want. We have to call these people out. And you know what? So be it. If you do the right thing and you have repercussions, that's what's called sacrificing. I respect people that sacrifice. Let me tell you, I've been doing this podcast now for going on two, three years. I wrote an entire book. I'm the only officer in the country that wrote a book about what it was like being on the front lines during 2020. All the things said and done to us. And I took a risk doing that. I took a risk doing this podcast because I don't hide my face. I don't hide who I am or what I believe. And I say what's on my heart, what's on my mind. And I know people are listening and people are watching, you know, but my thing is, it is a sacrifice and a risk, man. You don't, you got to look at the first amendment, freedom of speech, man. You are guaranteed freedom of speech. Now that does not mean you are free from repercussions, but if you are speaking out the truth, there are ways and you have a recourse if you are targeted wrongly by your department, man, but to just sit in silence and how dare we as officers protect everybody else's freedom of speech and rights, but we don't use them ourselves to speak up for the people we swore to protect. Come on, man. It just, it just, it just drives me crazy that they, everybody's getting kudos for doing the right thing afterwards. I'll tell you who I give kudos to officer Ben. If y'all don't know officer Ben, go to uh, Columbus police body cam on YouTube, man. I, I love Ben white dude with beautiful skin. <laughs> he's a beautiful ginger man with a bald head but he's an officer in columbus has been for some time and this man does not hide of course he goes by a different name you know for good reason but he's not hiding his face he's not hiding what he believes and thinks he's out there actively actively speaking out against the corruption in the government going on in columbus calls out the mayor calls out chief he calls out his chain of command and the man is still employed. Now, that's not to say that he's not been attacked. That's not to say that he does not have a target on his back. But if there's somebody I respect in this realm, that's a police officer right now that's online on social media, it is Officer Ben in police body cam video because this man does not hide. He, he does his own subpoenas for his own police body camera so he can show the world what it's really like to be a cop. And he does not hide or filter how he feels. And the man is still going strong. So who am I going to respect more? Miss Lieutenant Taylor, who thank you for your many years of service. I'm not going to dog you for, for being a cop for 23 years. I'm not. That's phenomenal, spectacular. Hey, I hope you enjoy your retirement. You deserve it because your job is a hard job. Being a cop is a hard job. Doing it for 23 years is rough. I've been doing it 13 and I love it, but it's still a rough job. Yo. But I can't celebrate you as a hero for standing up and writing a 15-page email after the fact. I just can't stand behind it. Now, I'm sure that, to me, you're not really causing change. All you're doing is venting your frustrations, the same frustrations that we all have. 
the same frustrations that every cop in America is experiencing right now. We all have that same frustration. But you're getting all the attention and glory for doing it after the fact, yo. And you said on the podcast, you know, she's like, I wanted to make sure I was secure first before I stood up. To me, you're not making a difference, man. If you don't have skin in the game anymore, I'm not going to say your opinion doesn't matter, but your opinion has a lot more weight when you're still getting up every day and putting on the uniform or going out here into the streets and doing the job. And when you speak up while in uniform, not necessarily in uniform, but when you stand up and speak up and say, this is wrong and this is what's happening right now while you're on the job, people can't ignore it. The council can't ignore it. The mayor cannot ignore it. They have to say, man, this person's calling us out. And you know what? That's why it's called a sacrifice because you are risking. That's what we do when we put on this uniform. We risk our lives. And sometimes we have to use our First Amendment rights to risk what is doing right for the American people. Hence why I do the I Am Pitts podcast. Hence why I do this show, man. Because I want other cops to speak out while on the job. Now, I'm not saying you go out there and say, man, the, the mayor can suck my, you know, or not. That's not how we do it. That's not how I rock on this podcast. That's not how I rock on this show. I express opinions about known facts and things that I know that are going on. Does it cause change? Maybe, maybe not. But you know what? One thing is I'm not going to get on my deathbed when it's time for me to leave this earth and say and wonder, I wonder if I did the right thing. I wonder if I stood up against evil. I do. I do my best to stand up against evil and I do my best to stand up against corruption in the government because I work in the government and I don't want that government that I work for to be a representation of me if it's corrupt. And right now, I think the government is corrupt, completely corrupted. And if you are aware of the corruption, if you are aware of citizens in your city not being taken care of and not getting justice, the victims in your city not being safe. And I mean, there's places in Seattle where the federal government told people you have to work from home because it's too dangerous to go to the office downtown. How is that justice? How is that protecting and serving, man? That is not protecting and serving. But who cares? Because you got your pension anyway. You got your pension. Good, good for you. Congratulations, Joe. But I'm not going to sit here and hail you as a hero because you stood up after the fact. I'm going to give you your flowers for doing the job and doing it for 23 years, good or bad. I don't know, yo, but I just I, I just can't rock with that. But like I said, I could get with Officer Ben. He and I, like I said, man, we don't hide. We're out here. We're out. We're we're not hiding. We're not, I'm not waiting till I secure my pension to be safe. Because if I know that there's officers and citizens suffering under my watch because of what the government's doing, I might not be in a position to cause change, but I can use my mouth and my opinion to point people towards what's going on to let people know that hey, I'm with you. I see what's going on and I don't like it. I can't control it, but hey, just know I am down here with you in the weeds and I see it every day and my heart aches and hurts because I see it and there's nothing more I can do about it. And I don't want to hear, man, you just need to quit. No, me quitting and walking away from this job, it was not the right thing to do. You need somebody on the front line out in the streets in the gutter with the people that will stand up with the people and look at the government and say, this is all on y'all. Y'all cause this mess and you need to clean it up and you need to protect these people and we need the justice system to do its job just as it was intended, which is not happening, man. So it just kind of, so I got off on a little tangent, man. I'm very, I'm very passionate about this. I just, I just, I can't stand it, man. 
I can't stand it. And like I said, I see more and more officers retiring. And now everybody wants to send that final email like, no, this is I did this and that and y'all did this to me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, bro, it's too late, dog. Too late, man. If you're going to do it, do it while you have skin in the game. That's all I'm saying. And I've, I've had skin in the game most of my life because I have been in service to the country and the community for since I was 19 years old, man. That's all I know. This is all I do. You know, this is, this is what I was created to do. This is what everybody asked me. How, how am I able to be a cop in this day and age? Because God designed me to do this job. God designed me to be a soldier, an infantry soldier. God designed me to be able to go to Iraq and sustain and do what I did over in Iraq. And now that has been, man, it's been a long time, man. I, I deployed in 2004. Man, we're coming up on 20 years when I deployed, yo. And one thing that still sticks with me was, I think it was after I got hurt and after I got back from the Middle East. Man, I can't remember the time and day, but I remember this documentary had came out and I wanted to go see it because I was like, it was the first documentary about the Iraq war that was in movie theaters. And I was like, I gotta go see it, man. That's my war. That's the war I fought in. And this documentary was called Gunner Palace. And so I remember going and watching this documentary and it was shot in Iraq in 2003, right after the invasion, kind of just when the insurgency was kind of starting, you know, and I'm just sitting there watching like, man, I know these streets, I know those uniforms. I know those weapons. You know, and I was just like, I was so proud. Like, man, I was there. I was a part of that. And I did that, yo. And then the other day, you know, I was, I was watching this video and I was looking at the guys in it, man. And it's a part of me. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I came across this video on YouTube. It's a gunner palace 20 some odd year, 20 years later. And so it's like a 17 minute video on YouTube. You know, and it, kind of goes back and they find the guys that were in the documentary and these guys were 20 years old 19 18 19 20 and so i'm gonna pull it up and play it for you just a little snippet i'm trying to hit the campfire someone smoking a cigarette in the shitters <laughs> what are you gonna do when you get out of the army be a fucking rock star Sometimes I remember, oh yeah, that's right, I went to Iraq. Now that I have a kid, sometimes I find myself thinking, is he gonna end up going to some war that ends up not doing any good for the world and receive a bunch of shitty care <laughs> afterwards? I think we were in Baghdad for a few days and then we were in a firefight outside the Abu Hanifa Mosque. And it was just totally bizarre, just you know, fucking gunfire everywhere, a couple of RPGs. And I was just thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> and that question never went away. I don't know how to explain the war to myself and have yet to have any clear thought of like, yes, we actually made a difference there because we didn't at all. There was no difference fucking made. Uh, maybe for the worse. And so, like I said, that's just a snippet from Gunner Palace kind of 20 years later. Actually, I still have the DVD. I bought the original. I bought the DVD when it came out, man. And I still have it in my collection. Yo, but, man, but I was looking at this video and I was looking at the guys today. 
And then they, I would see them in the original documentary when they flash back to them, like 1920, you look at how much they age. And I was like, man, these dudes ain't got old. Holy crap. And then I remember after I looked to the bathroom, looked at it myself, and I was like, damn, I done got old, man, bro. Like, I was at Kentucky Kingdom working the other day, and you know, black dude was like, yo, what up, OG? I'm like, OG? Like, bro, I'm 39. Like, oh, damn, man, yeah, I look, man. And then I, when I look at kids that are 19, yo, and I'm like, these kids look like babies. And I'm just like, man, it's been 20 years, bro. And listening to the documentary, I really enjoyed it. And man, for me, it was a it was a good flash trip down memory lane, you know, but it also brought up to me the question, how do we as veterans and people that fought in the war on terror in Iraq make peace with the war on terror and everything with the military and what we did over there? And as I was looking, listening to Wilt in that documentary, saying, I still don't know what it was for and I still don't know what it was about. I think we as soldiers and Americans have to Come have to understand a couple things. We have to understand that our military, our government, I love America, but I question our government, and everything our government does is not necessarily just and right. And now, 20 years later, but if we look back at Iraq and the war on terror, I think it all started from a good point with Afghanistan because we do know that Afghanistan, Afghanistan, it was a was a launching point for 9-11. And we we know that for sure for a fact. But but when we look at Iraq, we have to say, bro, what why what did Iraq have to do with the war on terror and George Bush's access of evil? And I know we went into Iraq and we caused all this destruction and went to war and we, and we did all this stuff in the country. And in my mind, this is how I tell people how I come to peace with what I did in Iraq. And I'm not worried about what the country did in Iraq. I'm worried about what I did in Iraq. Because I can't control what government and rich men north of Richmond do and decide to go to war, which is usually mostly bullcrap. I don't think 20 years. I used to get offended when people say it was not a just war because I used to be so gung ho for America and the government. I used to say the government wouldn't do that to us. They would not send us to war to die for some bullcrap. And that is actually what happened with Iraq. And I've lost friends and everybody asks what it's for. It's like for America. We got to fight them over there so we don't fight them over here. And then I think about it. And I'm like, man, this is how I make peace. And this is how all my fellow veterans can make peace as well. If we go to if you get sent to war in 19, you got to think, why did you join the military? Because of 9-11. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole 9-11 conspiracy theories. I'm not into all, any of that. I think there's just evil people in the world that hate America, man. And people have all these conspiracies there. I don't really care about that. All I know is that when I woke up on the morning of September 11, 2001, I was a 16 or 17 year old kid and I saw my country under attack. I knew I was going to go and fight the bad guys that attacked my country. I knew that I was going to go do the job. I knew that I was a patriot and I was going to defend my country. And if Richmond, North of Richmond, our American politicians took advantage of me at being 19, 18, 19 years old, and that's smart enough to question the government, and that's smart enough to question everything that we were doing in the Middle East, it's not on me. That's not my fault. I went to war under the pretense of what I am doing is good and what I am doing is just. I went to war thinking and knowing that America had been attacked 
and that all these people were evil and that we're going to go here and do the right thing. Now, I went to war with a clear state of mind. And when I got hurt and got put out of Iraq, I've never felt guilty about anything that I've done in the Middle East, because in my mind, everything I did was just I don't like I said, you don't get to choose what war you fight in. You go where your government tells you to go. And that's why I said today, it's hard for me to tell people it's okay to join the military these days because our government is so corrupt and we see everything going on currently with our military. You know, it just drives me crazy. I can't, I just can't push and tell people to join the military because the military, the, our government right now will take advantage of your patriotism. And I think that's what we saw with the war on terror. Like I said, it started off great. Afghanistan, I mean, we had a chance to kill bin Laden, but we let him go. Think that they let bin laden go because hey we're gonna drag this war out for 20 years because we're gonna make a lot of money when we made a lot of money america did but we've all well not america politicians and special interest groups made a lot of money but we also made a lot of enemies man we created a lot of dead bodies we created a lot of problems we created a power vacuum that created isis man and so much stuff because america has its problems with just getting our hands into everything and putting our face in everybody's business, we don't need to be doing it. And we're seeing it with Ukraine right now. But, and it just, like I said, it, it hurts me that I was a part of a war that was not just. But like I said, I can't feel guilty because I'm not the one that has to justify the war. I'm just a young black kid from Radcliffe, Kentucky, that saw my country under attack and knew that I wanted to fight for America's honor. And I wanted to keep my friends and family here back at home safe. Because we can't just skip over 9-11 like it never happened and think because it's so long. Like, no, that was real, absolutely real. People jumping to their depths, you know, and just you just watching that as a young man and your testosterone is flowing. You got you thinking, not on my watch, not on my watch, man. And uh, man, and so for me, we, we, we as veterans, we have to make peace with that. We can't control, especially our Iraq war veterans that lost friends, bro. We have to make peace with the fact that, hey, I'm a honorable person. I joined for honorable reasons. If the reasons that I joined were taken advantage of by you because you lied to me and gave me false reasons and, and took advantage of my patriotism, homie, that is not on you. My brother, my fellow Iraqi veterans, that is not on us. The government has to answer for that individually. But we we all served honorably. Most of the people I know. We did our job. We did our job for a country that took advantage of us. And when somebody takes advantage of you and you don't know and have all the information available, bro, that's not on you, man. You can't carry that guilt around thinking, man, man I'm ashamed to have been a part of this war. You see guys throw their medals away and turn trash their uniforms. Away. No, you be proud of the service that you did to a country that lied to you. You don't know at the time that it, you were misled or lied. I didn't know. And I heard people talking about it, but I'm like, man, no, the government wouldn't do that because I was 19. I didn't know better. But now that I've gotten older and I see how the government really is and I see how my fellow Americans are, I choose to stand by the American people more than I choose to stand by the government any day. Because I'm an American before I'm a police officer and people are Americans before they're politicians. But we come to a point now where politicians are their own special class. They're not just Americans. They're their own special elite class, yo. And these are the people that have chose, voted to send us off to war. And these are the people currently right now sending all of our tax dollars over to Ukraine to take care of a country that 
don't really care for us, giving all our money and resources to a war that we shouldn't be involved in. But we got people in Maui and Hawaii, the government, we're going to give you all $700 a month to help make, make things easier because your whole family died in a fire, a weird, a strange forest fire that popped up in Hawaii. Man, something ain't right. And I'm just like, man, how jacked up is this, right? Like, these are our tax dollars. Shouldn't we, the people, have a vote in how our money gets spent? Who agrees with sending money to Ukraine for these wars? They're getting ready to send them, like, 38, 40 fighter jets, bro. And I'm sitting here like, why is Russia not declared war on us? And that's why I tell people, man, the American government is absolutely corrupt, dude. And I, I absolutely hate it, man. I absolutely hate it. But there's also a part for me where I was watching this documentary and it really, it really kind of spurred, brought something up in emotions in me and really made me mad. So there's one black dude in the entire thing, in the entire thing. And I remember watching him on it, man. And he started talking, he started getting political in this thing, yo. And I was like, man, here we go with the cop hate. And let me see if I can pull up the clip real quick. One second. Told y'all. Technology, man. I should have had it pulled up and ready to go, man. But I, I'm slacking, y'all. I'm slacking. All right. Pull that back up. How in the hell are they supposed to believe in a system that we forced fed them when our system doesn't even work? Going back to George Floyd. Two words. Not okay. There's actually a picture of me in Time Magazine with my knee on a suspected terrorist chest. It wasn't on his carotid artery. It was across his chest. All these shootings, not okay. All right, I got to stop before I get upset, bro. And I'm just like, man, man. I don't know what makes veterans that people that have been to war feel like they think and know everything about policing because war and policing are two totally separate things. Yeah, what happened to George Floyd? Definitely not okay. But at the same time, we can't just gloss over all the things that George Floyd did. I'm not going to sit here and justify his death, but let's be honest, he was taking fentanyl and he ended up dying because he had a whole lot of fentanyl in the system, yo. But the thing is, man, we, there's so many veterans out here. And I tell people, they're, just because you're a veteran, dude, don't mean you're the expert on all things knowledgeable about policing and just life in general. No, hell no. And this guy, I'm just like, really, bro? Like, not all, all these shootings, not okay. All the, what shootings are you talking about? Because there have been police shootings, but as far as I'm concerned, with the statistics that we know, most police shootings are it justified. It end up getting cleared. There's a small percentage of black people in this mayor in, in this country that get killed by the police. And nine times out of ten, when a Negro gets shot by the police, they end up doing something to deserve it. And so for me, when I hear veterans get spun up about the police and how hey, they don't like you know the system and all that, and I, I understand because you see police as an arm of the uh, an arm of the government the physical arm of the government that's allowed to go out and kill citizens for the government. I'm like, no, that's not, no, I don't know anybody that signed up to be a police officer. I can't wait to go out and just kill the American citizens. No, but man, 99% of officers that do this job, bro, we get into this job literally to help people. That's what we do. I know what it's like to be a person that wants to be, that needs help. Everybody does, yo. And 
I like I don't I don't understand why they a war documentary about Iraq 20 years later and how about corrupt it is. I, they just had to spin it and put it in there and throw the police in there because that's just what we do this day, man. Any reason to have social outrage and to hate the cops. My God, the media hops on the chance and opportunity. Yo, George, what did George Floyd have to do with the Iraq war? What did that guy kneeling on a terrorist suspect have to do with the Iraq war, George Floyd? What, what, there's no correlation between any of this, but I understand what you're saying. You know, the government, no, this is not okay. Okay, bro, sure thing. Hey, you did your time, you served. Congratulations. So did I. But guess what? I'm still serving. And because of that, I, I have a bias towards police officers, but I also, have a bias towards veterans and disabled veterans. And the thing is, I can call out cops because I am a cop. And I can call out veterans because I am a veteran. I can call out 100% disabled veterans because I'm a 100% disabled veteran. I got a bias towards both because these are, I am in both communities. I love both communities. I love cops. I love veterans. But but like I said, not all veterans love cops. And I can say that for 100%. And we know the media for damn sure these days it's not a fan of cops. And how do I know that? Because of this incident we're about to get into right now that happened in Dallas with this misleading headline that states we're going to really dive deep, people. So stick with me. Oh, let me pull it up. So. Oh, sorry, y'all. And it's acting a fool. Alrighty. All right, we're just gonna act like that. Okay. All right. Let me let me reconfigure real quick, y'all. My bad. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's this headline is just absolutely just completely misleading, man. And it just when I saw it, I was like, oh my god! Like the outrage was instant and immediate because I saw the headline. Says Dallas cops laughed after disabled military vet was denied restroom and urinated on himself. So I'm gonna break the story down to you all from what I know. All right, so you have this guy, he's a veteran. His name is, pardon me, Dinell Lane. He's a young black man. Apparently, according to what we heard, he was wounded in combat in uh overseas in Afghanistan or Iraq, one or the other, but it's not really specified, doesn't really say it. Apparently, he has issues with his lower extremities, and he has to go to the bathroom sometimes because of his injuries. It's, I don't know that. I can't confirm or deny that. But So he's out on the streets, man. It's like 2 in the morning, and he walks up to this pizza parlor, this pizza joint called... Oh, man, hold up a second. I'm prepared, y'all. I am. I've just got a lot of screens I'm going through here, man. But he goes up to this pizza parlor... Well, right. No, this is getting awkward because I can't find the name of it. Well, anyway, he goes up to this pizza parlor in Dallas, downtown in Dallas, in the entertainment district. All right. And he tells the officers, hey, I need to use the restroom because, you know, I, I, I have these papers. And he presents these two cops. These are two Dallas police officers working off duty at this restaurant. And so I'm going to explain that to you all. So sometimes businesses that have a lot of issues with vagrants and people coming into businesses, especially late nights where there's fights and alcohol and stuff. These businesses hire officers to come in here and do security. I do this all the time. 
And so these businesses, you're hired by the business and they'll pay you like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, hundred dollars an hour just to be a physical, just to be a visible presence and deterrent in the restaurant. So these officers come to work there, yo, and they are told, hey, between the hours of like two and three in the morning, we are closing down and nobody is allowed inside the restaurant because for the safety of our employees, man, we don't want anybody to get hurt because this place has probably because the fact that officers are there at this hour is because there's issues. I tell people all the time, if there's anywhere I go and I see an off-duty officer there, bro, here in Louisville, there used to be an off-duty officer at Mr. Gaddy's. And I said, you know what? I'm not eating a Mr. Gaddy's if they got an off-duty officer because that means there's problems. And I don't want to have to deal with any of these problems, yo. So I'm not doing it. So it, it, we go with, uh, they go, so they're working. And the uh, Mr. Lane comes up and tells these guys, hey, I need to use the restroom. And, uh, and they, so he tells them I need to use the restroom. And they tell him, no, you can't come in. So when he's denied entry into the restaurant, he starts telling him, hey, I have these papers here that says that because, you know, I have these injuries that you have to you let me use the restroom. Apparently, he tried to show them his state and government ID, and he provided these papers that are saying, hey, I have a medical condition. I need to use the restroom. Well, these officers are under orders from the restaurant that hired them that told them, hey, nobody under any circumstances is allowed inside the restaurant during these hours. So the officers tell them, no, I'm sorry, you can't come in. They don't even look at it. They don't even question it. They just, hey, just go. So the guy leaves the location. The Mr. Lane leaves. Then he calls 911 and says, hey, I need to use the bathroom because I, I have a medical condition. These officers won't let me into the restroom. And so, okay, so 911 takes the call. And you got to understand there's a priority level with calls that come in. If you call in and say, hey, I got a gun to my head and my and I got a gun to my kid's head. I'm about to kill everybody in this room. You're going to go to priority number one. That's a pretty high priority. Or if you, hey, somebody's robbing a bank right now. You're going to go pretty high priority. And all the resources and all the cops working are going to go to that priority call. But when you call and say, hey, I need to use the bathroom. And these cops at this, off, at this piece of joint won't let me use the restroom there. You're going to the bottom of the priority list, my man. Because it is not a criminal or police or police uh police activity brother it has nothing to do with policing but so they put the they dispatch the call it doesn't say how long it took for the officers to get there but when they get there mr lane is gone and i guess as they're pulling up to the scene he calls back to 911 and tells them hey never mind sending an officer i don't need to go to the bathroom anymore because i pissed all over myself so the officers walk into the pizza joint and they talking to the two off-duty officers that are working there. And like, hey, did you all hear? Like, they're like, what? Hey, that guy that called said he doesn't need to go to the bathroom no more because he pissed himself. And the female cops like, you guys made a guy piss himself. And apparently they got the officers to start laughing and joking, yada, yada, yada. And next thing you know, the body camera snitch, as we call him, the dude still recording, decides to cut his camera off. And but there's a there's a time frame when you start hit the record button on your camera, it automatically goes back 30 seconds. Yo, so I'm sure this guy got out of his car expecting to run into Mr. Lane, starts recording. Well, Mr. Lane's not there, he cuts his camera off, but it still records that 30 seconds. So the 30 seconds that we got was the officers laughing at the situation. Mr. Lane was nowhere on scene, okay. 
And so I guess he goes and files a complaint. And the next thing you know, gets to the board. And the next thing you know, it turns out that Mr. Lane is an injured combat veteran. And if the internet is just ablaze with cops, you know, laughing, mock at disabled veteran, man. And I'm going to actually play for you all. I want you all to hear it yourself. The actual body camera footage that we got from the incident. Hopefully my internet, my internet, internet's acting up a little bit. So let's hope it plays. Come on, man. Hold on, man, man. Oh, man. My internet is horrible. Sorry. close that out so okay on face value looking at that it sounds horrible it looks bad it really does there's really no way so it looks bad it looks horrible but here's my thing so for me i'm not going to come down hard on these cops because we have to look at a few key questions here because they were laughing at a situation after it's already over and if there's one thing i know that cops love to talk shop talk crap laugh and joke after the incident's over so i got here on my list man we need to look at a couple key questions uh, about this incident hold on let me pull it up so key question number one like i said why why were the cops working there and why were they at that job because this place has issues with people coming in they don't want non-customers using the restroom coming in causing problems like I said, I've worked downtown in these businesses where you have homeless people scraggling about everywhere, wanting to come in and use the restroom, disturbing the customers, disturbing the place and just causing problems because these homeless people get into these bathrooms, start doing drugs and they will live in there forever and will not come out. They will lock themselves in and not come out. So the restaurant wants to protect their customers and and their employees by saying nobody's allowed inside the business. So that is what the officers did. They ensured that nobody came inside the business. That's what they're hired for. That's their entire job. So now we got to look at this question. Within the midst of this incident with these two officers working at this pizza joint, were these officers aware that Mr. Lane was a disabled veteran? Because from what I'm seeing, hearing and seeing, I don't think that they were aware that he was a disabled veteran. And also, I'm going to say, I don't think that Mr. Lane made them aware, which I will also kudos to him for not pulling the poor disabled veteran car, because I know lots of guys that love to pull the car. I'm a veteran. I fought for this country, bro. I blah, 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 blah. I'm a purple heart veteran. I, well, okay. And I love when they do because I'm like, guess what? So am I. Guess what? You ain't special to me and I ain't special to you, bro. You don't get no extra kudos for being a combat veteran with me. You and I are same, same, but different. All right, man. So I don't believe that these officers knew that Mr. Lane was a disabled veteran because I don't think he told them. Like I said, kudos to him. He's probably proud. He's a pride, proud, proud man, a proud combat veteran, man. And most combat veterans I know don't tell people all right off the bat. Just so you know, hey, guess what? 
I'm a combat veteran. Yeah, yeah. Look at these scars. Man, no, nobody, man, no, that's not most combat veterans I know, man. So I don't think he offered them that information. He offered them paperwork. And with Ali's law, and so the, the next thing is we have to ask, were the officers aware of Ali's law? If you don't want to know what Ali's law is, that's what got everybody in the stink all of a sudden. Everybody's all of a sudden informed and knows what Ali's law is, and they violated Ali's law. These officers should be ashamed and shot. They, they violated Ali's law. Ali's law is, it came about in, uh, I guess, 2015, 2016, but somebody had Crohn's disease and they had to go to the bathroom when it was a kid, and the kid ended up using the bathroom on himself, and they said never again, and they went into Congress and enacted this law, and states have, I guess certain states have adopted it. Here in Kentucky, I know now, I know that Kentucky adopted it in 2018, but I can tell you this, in my many years of policing, I've been in cop since 2009. When Ali's law, according to my recent knowledge, to my knowledge, was enacted in Kentucky in 2018, I ain't never heard of Ali's law until this incident. I didn't get any training on Ali's law. Nobody knew nothing about Ali's law. And I guarantee you these cops were not aware of Ali's law. I talked to other cops I know in the Dallas area, and they, they were like, I ain't never heard of it, man. And then you have people on here that all of a sudden, they got their law degrees on Facebook, you know, and Everybody know what Ali's law will not know, not knowing the law doesn't excuse them for what they did. Like, well, actually it does, because let me tell you something, man. I've been like, I've been policing a long time. If you pick up a criminal law manual or just a KRS, Kentucky revised statute or a Texas, uh, Texas law book, bro, them books are between two, 900 to 3000 pages because there's not just law. There's criminal law. There's civil law. I mean, there's tax law. There's so many different types of law. and what is the function of police officers. We fight crime. So we have to be versed in criminal law, not necessarily civil law, although we do sometimes get involved with some civil things, but it's very rare and it's very, very, very minor. Yo, but Ali's law is not a criminal law thing. That is a civil thing. That's a civil issue. And so people saying they violated Ali's law. I guarantee you these cops were not aware of Ali's law. And regardless of the fact of them being aware of Ali's law, here's one thing we have to look at. Was Mr. Lane, was he allowed to enter that restroom under Ali's law? No, he was not, because I looked up Ali's law and I did some research on it, and I'm going to pull it up on the screen for y'all. So bear with me real quick while I pull it up. All righty. If y'all look here, it says, uh, this is fine law. This is Texas Health and Safety Code, Health and Safety 341.069, access to restroom facilities. So we need to look at a couple key things here real quick. It says in this section, customer means an individual who is lawfully, look at that keyword, lawfully on the premise of a retail establishment. And with that right there, we can completely rule out the fact that this does not apply to Mr. Lane because why he was not a customer at the establishment. The place was already closed. Mr. Lane was just some Randall walking by on the street that decided, Hey, well, his body banged up combat body was like, Hey, we need to piss bro. And he just so happened. Hey man, I need to use the restroom. I, I got these injuries and incident. So these officers did not violate Ali's law. Simply because he was not a customer. So Ali's law does not apply to him. 
And everybody's saying, well, that's messed up anyway, because, you know, he's a he's a human being, man. Everybody deserves the right to get to the restroom. I absolutely agree that everybody should be treated with dignity and respect, especially our veterans, especially. But we but here's the deal. Regardless of us wanting to treat veterans special and treat them with respect, we still have to recognize the business's sovereignty. The business is a private entity. And this business has a right to tell people, no, you cannot come in here because you're not a customer. If the business decides, hey, guess what? Yeah, you could come in here. He's a combat veteran. We'll let him in if this one this one circumstance. But like I said, these guys were not aware. The business was not aware of this incident at all. And the business is owned by veterans as well. You know, so the cops were doing technically, even though the cops didn't know, they still were not in violation of Ali's law. And if they were in violation, I'm not going to say it'd be right, but guess what? They, we can't, you can take them to court and sue them civilly. But like I said, these officers were investigated and the board decided that, not the board, but their uh, internal investigations decided that these cops didn't do anything wrong. They did not violate policy. And now what happened to Mr. Lane is very, very unfortunate. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. You know, that he you know, feels like he lost his dignity. But here's what we have to understand but when it comes to protect and serve you as an American citizen with a medical condition, if you're going to go out, you have to know that it is not my job or the police job to ensure that you get to a bathroom. Because like I said, this business has rights. The business does not have to serve you there. The business doesn't, as close as does not have to let you into there. And if you force me a cop to let that, to, if you force a cop to force that business to let you use the bathroom, that cop is violating that business's rights. We can't have that, but oh, we're all about oh, we love the constitution, we love veterans, and we know we're all about the constitution. Yeah, we're all about it when it works for us, but not when it works against us. And this works against Mr. Lane, even though he is a wounded combat wounded veteran, but he doesn't have a right to their bathroom. And those cops were not wrong for letting them in there because they're just doing their job and doing as told. And like I said, now this whole situation would be would, would be different if hear me out if. If Mr. Lane was like, I'm a combat veteran, man, I got these issues, y'all, and I just really, really need to go to the bathroom, man, if y'all could please help me out. If they heard that and then personally, I would have been like, hey, I'm going to check with the uh, business owner in here real quick and tell him we got a special circumstance. That's just what I would do. That's what I say I would do in that situation But because I got a heart for veterans, especially 100% disabled vets. But I would check and see if they would make an exception. That's all you could do, but man... They were not in the wrong for that, man. Now, if they he, if they had this knowledge that he was a veteran and they still had to turn him down because they just weren't allowed to let him in. And if Mr. Lang was there in front of them and he pissed himself in front of them and they started laughing at him and mocking him while he was right in front of them, I would have a major issue with that, man. I would absolutely not be OK with them laughing, mocking, and pointing their fingers, laughing at a dude, at a combat veteran that had pissed himself in front of them. Now, that is unprofessional. Then people are saying that these officers were so unprofessional. No, these officers were not unprofessional. These officers did what me and many other officers have done. Being professional is when you are on a scene and you are in the middle of dealing with something and something crazy happens or somebody says something funny or crazy or you and your partners look over and see something like a giant dildo on a dresser while you're looking at this domestic violence victim and you just look at it like you want to laugh deep down you want to but you know you're a professional you're there you professionalism is being able to control and maintain your demeanor 
while you're taking care of these incidents. You take care of the incident, you handle the things, you do your job, and then you leave the scene. Once you leave the scene and done, hey, there's no such thing as being having to be professional when you're amongst your friends and buddies after you've handled the situation the way it was needed to be handled and you did what you had to do and you served the person. He was served. He just didn't like the way he was served. And I, I, like I, said, I hate it. And it's unfortunate. I'm not saying what the cops did was right. Laughing about it at the situation. But I'm not going to sit here in judgment over cops talking shop because I know cops and that is what cops do. I have laughed at some things I should not have laughed at in my career. And any cop that tells me that they never, ever laughed at something after something's over with their buddies that would have been inappropriate. You are a damn liar. There's no person, no cop out there I know of that can sit there and say, I'm a professional, even when I'm off and, you know, while I'm in uniform the whole 10 hours, I don't laugh. I don't crack a smile. You're a robot, man. No, that's not fair. These cops are humans, man. Like I said, if they did this in front of Mr. Lane, I'd have a major problem with laughing at a veteran in front of his face with that knowledge. But the truth remains that one, I don't believe that they knew that they that they knew that Mr. Lane was a disabled veteran. I don't believe that they knew that. I believe that if they had known, they would have tried to get him help. I absolutely believe that because there's a lot of little cops, a lot of cops that are veterans, man. We don't know these cops' histories. We don't know if they got family in the military or if they were in the military themselves or vets. We don't know that. But the media wants you to think that this misleading title that they mocked a disabled veteran. And like I said, I will stand up for those cops and say all day, man, they are simply human. And the only thing they did was get caught laughing about a situation after it was over and handled and done. They did their job. And some people say, that's not protecting and serving. And I'm like, dude, no, you can't protect and serve like that. You can't just up and let everybody come into a restaurant and go in and use the bathroom when the business told you not to let you do that. Other than that, they would not be working there, which they aren't now because the business has decided, well, we didn't know about this enough. So the business is now saying that they don't want these officers working back there because what they did was highly inappropriate and yada, yada, yada. Personally, if I was a cop in Dallas, I would not visit that establishment at all, period, because I feel like the business is throwing them under the bus only because of the video. Because of the video, if that had not been a video, the business would have never known about the incident. Like I said, it is not the cop's job and responsibility to escort the public to the bathroom. That is your responsibility. And Mr. Lane, Hey, thank you for your service, but man, as you know you're going to be out and you know you have these issues, my man. Maybe I know it, you probably don't want to do it, but you're probably going to have to put on some depends or a diaper or something, bro. Or you're going to have to plan your night better to where you have access to a bathroom immediately. Or man, I'll, honestly, I'll say go find an alley, man. I ain't going to lie, it ain't below me to be drunk and been in an alley somewhere down in Austin, Texas a couple years ago and not peace in an alley, bro. I'm like, and personally, I don't care if people do. I really just don't. Because you're a human, you got to go, you got to go, man. But you don't have a right to access everybody's bathroom. And, man, I, this whole incident, I ain't going to lie. I, I'm not going to say I lost sleep over this incident. But, man, I was on Veterans with a Sign Instagram page, man, and just seeing the amount of people hating on the police officers. And, man, these cops are dirtbags. These cops are scumbags. And these cops need to be fired. These cops are the worst. These aren't real servants. I'm just like, man. That is all unfair to these officers. That is absolutely unfair because we are judging these officers on a single incident that after it was over, they had a laugh about it. I don't like that. I don't think they were laughing at him. I honestly believe that they were laughing at the situation. The fact that he pissed himself and then called back and said, I don't need to go to the bathroom anymore because I peed on myself because I just think it's a funny call 
that you pissed yourself and you call 911 to let 911 know you're you pissed yourself. Like I said, I don't think they're laughing at him, they're laughing at the situation, man. And that's a complete different thing. But you know, people, you know, you a bootlicker. Oh man, you ain't a real veteran. Well, I told you, I'm biased to both sides of this, man. I hate it for Mr. Lane. I hate it for the cops, but at the same time, I understand cops. At the same time, I respect Mr. Lane because I don't believe he pulled the injured veteran card. I'd like to say, this is all being cooked up by the media. This is all cooked up by the media to blow this up into something bigger than it really was. This was not what it made out to be. It wasn't that. It wasn't these cops just being dirtbags and laughing at a disabled veteran. It just wasn't that, man. And as I said, you have to think about these situations reasonably. Like I said, I ended up getting outraged at first, too, when I first read the article because I took that I took that headline as these cops really did that. And that's I don't think that that's not what happened, man, at all, at all, man. And, and also when people say people have to be realistically realistic about when you talk about officers knowing their job and knowing the law, it is not possible to know over 2000 pages of law and then over almost 900, 1000 pages of policy. And like I said, these officers did not violate policy, nor did they violate law. So these officers are not wrong. Just it just they got caught in a bad situation, a very unfortunate situation. That's all it is, man. But we have to be realistic. It's just not possible to know all this stuff, man. It's not possible. But guess what? Once you learn something, it's your duty to learn it and spread it to others. That's as soon as I heard about this, I started looking up Ali's laws. Like, do we have that here in Kentucky? We absolutely do. And guess what? If I come across it, I will try to handle it as such. But like I said, there's certain stipulations in Allie's law that have to be met in order for that person to be allowed to use the bathroom. Like I said, you can't just be some rando off the street walking in there because trust me, there's plenty of homeless people out there in the streets. They got papers from a doctor that got all kinds of issues. But guess what? You ain't coming up and you knock on my door. Hey, man, can I blow up your bathroom? The hell you cannot. No, sir. You don't have a right or a privilege to somebody else's property, man. Even if you are, you know, you're a human and you have to do that thing, but you just can't go marching to somebody's house or business and blow up their toilet <laughs> just because you got a letter from a doctor. You have to be a paying customer at that establishment. Or if you're at my house and you're, man, my friends come over to my house and you eat something bad and you got to blow up my toilet. Hey, man, have at it, bro. Just don't clog it. That's all I got to say, man. But, you know, it's. It's unfair that how these cops are being treated. And I hate what happened to Mr. Lane. And I don't want anybody sitting there thinking I'm cosigning on these officers being quote unquote jerks, but it's just, bro, it is what it is, man. We're, they're humans. We're humans. Cops are some of the most raunchiest, inappropriate people I've ever seen. But, and for me, what really got me back was seeing all the veterans getting upset about how unprofessional the police were. I'm like, bro, what branch did you serve in? Because if there's anybody that is unprofessional, it is military personnel, myself included. I was in the infantry, man. Do you know how much pseudo gay craziness and stuff? And oh, bro, it's insane the things that happen in the military that young men in the military do. Bro, it's insane. You want to talk about not being professional? Soldiers, man, Marines, we are the most immature people on earth. But what sets us apart is. When it's time to go to the field and it's time to do your job, you're able to set aside your maturity and focus on your job at hand. That's what being professional is. You ain't got to be professional 24-7. Ain't nobody professional 24-7, man. 
when I'm in uniform and I'm out in the public and I know that their eyes on me, guess what? I am professional. But when I'm off and I'm on my own and I'm away from the public, I'm laughing, joking and cracking up at everything in sight. Everything. Because to me, there's nothing in life that is that serious, man. And it's just cops are humans, man. Cops are humans. And for them to say these cops need to be killed and dragged. I'm like, especially by veterans. I'm just like, man, y'all are being when did veterans. When do we get so soft, man? And my thing is, when did veterans? I love my veterans. But dude, we are not a protected class, bro. Like we're not special because we're veterans and we don't get to hold the high moral ground just because you're a veteran. If you're going to be a veteran. Remember, you served honorably, but you have to continue to live your life honorably after you obtain the title veteran. Because I know plenty of veterans that are scumbags that I wouldn't let in my house to take a crap. Plenty of them. I know plenty of cops I wouldn't let in my house to take a crap. Plenty of them, man. We're all just people, dude. Literally, that's it. Everybody's just people, man. So, like I said, that's the media blowing this whole thing up into something. Because that is what the media loves to do, bro. The media loves to cast officers in a negative light because if it bleeds, it leads. But here's the thing. It's so easy for the media to focus on the bad things that officers do and what we don't get right. But rarely, when officers do get it right, rarely is it talked about. It'll come out periodically, but it'll be a small blurb or headline. And it won't be talked about. But let a, a cop do something wrong. Let a cop laugh at an incident after it's over and it's caught on tape, bro. Everybody's got a problem, man. But here we got Louisville police officers the other day that rescued this lady that was tied up and chained up in a house here in Louisville. And these officers went in and saved this lady. And guess what? It makes rounds for a quick second, yo. But guess what? It does, It's not out there very long, man. And it. It, it, it makes me mad because cops do so much good work and little, very little other work that we do gets make, makes the news. So this is here in Louisville. This is in the, uh, I believe it's in the, I can't remember if it's the first or the second division, but downtown, man. I guess they got a call about somebody yelling and screaming. Let me tell you makes it a little bigger. Look at that boy which window she kicked out? So she's up in there screaming. We see a ladder. Is it my So they get the ladder and then they climb up into this window. This dude has literally nailed her into the house and look. He's got her chained up in the room, dude. God, that's horrible, man. But there's no one else in here, right? Well, then they get an axe and then they start trying to free this lady. Like I said, this dude nailed her into the room. He locked her in the room and took, climbed down the ladder so she couldn't escape, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what I call those. Those are heroes, man. Those are cops. Those are cops right there, man. That's man, that's why I do this job, dude. But they, they see, that's not the focus the media has right now. The, the media's focus is not on these officers. Everybody's still talking about these cops in Dallas and everything that we do wrong, but nobody really pays attention to what we do right. 
these dudes did a phenomenal stand-up job. And with everything going on with LMPD today, that's why I tell people I'm still proud to have been an LMPD officer. And I'm still proud of the guys that are LMPD and still operating because that right there, that's phenomenal. That's police work. That's what the job's about. And guess what? They don't want a kudos for that. They're just doing their jobs, man. These dudes don't care to be famous. And I, I don't know those officers well, but I've ran into them and they seem like stand up individuals, man. Because honestly, most of the people I know that wear that LMPD uniform are stand up guys. That's why I still got it right here in the back right here, man. My little LMPD, my little LMPD thing with all my coins on it. I will always rep LMPD because that's my home. That is the place that grew me and developed me. And there are some good men and women on the Louisville Metro Police Department, still doing God's work, man. I mean, doing solid work, yo, and I'm never been more happy, never been more crowd. So don't listen to the media when it comes to these stories. That's why I tell people about the Dallas thing, like before the, uh, the social outrage starts, pump your brakes, start asking reasonable questions. If you just do that, you will avoid so many arguments. And like I said, I don't like to argue with people, but I found myself going back and forth with people online partially because I was bored and I was working off duty and I didn't have nothing else to do besides argue with people, yo, but man, try to be reasonable when you break down these incidents. And because of me being reasonable and able to step back and look at and ask questions like, did they know that he was a veteran? I was able to sidestep the, the social, the, the societal outrage that everybody has about that incident. Because like I said, it's just not what it was made out to be. But like I said, we're not going to see these officers from LMPD on CNN after they helped this poor lady out. My God, just how heartbreaking her just saying, officers, I'm sorry. Like, you have nothing to be sorry about. You didn't do this. The scumbag that tied you in our room's got something to be sorry about, but not you. Speaking when it, of when it comes to being sorry, man, I got a feeling that come the election next year, I got a feeling that the Democrats might be sorry that they have gone in and done what they have did to the man, Donald Trump, by giving this man a mugshot. So, man, a lot of people are making light of this whole incident. I've seen a lot of memes on it, and some are funny. And I want to laugh, but here's my issue and my problem with this incident going on with Donald Trump. And as y'all know, I've been staying away from politics, man. I'm worn out on politics. I am tired of the bull from the left and the right. Yo, I'm just over it. So I've been avoiding politics for the most part altogether. It's because I just can't stomach the lies and the deceit and the, the just coming from both parties, man. Like they're, to me, they're they're neither they're they're the same. The same people, man. But but man, for me, I couldn't laugh at this photo because when I see this picture of President Trump, former President Trump being photographed in the jail, to me, this picture reminds me of just takes me to China or Russia, where people in small corrupt third world countries where people have their political opponents jailed. And so I tell people, I made a post the other night about I'm not worried about Donald Trump because Donald Trump has resources and money. Donald Trump can fight this. And honestly, I think this happened to Trump is going to awaken a lot of people into this country to the fact that if they can do that to him, what can they do to you and I? If we don't agree, what can they do to you and I if we don't toe the line? And then that, that also has to make people think like, why are they so afraid of Donald Trump that they're going to these extraordinary measures? And I think trumping up charges 
and trying to put this man in jail or possibly get him the death penalty. Why are they so afraid of this man? I told you, I like Trump. I voted for him. I wasn't sure I was going to vote for him again coming this coming election. But after seeing this, he's absolutely get absolutely getting my vote because they are afraid of something. Yo. And I'm telling you, my concern is not Donald Trump. My concern is you all as American citizens. Our government is so rogue to the point that, we, like I said, we are, we are we have people taking political prisoners in America. And I got buddies and friends I've talked to that said, man, if he broke the law, he needs to be, you know, he needs to be held accountable. Well, if that's the case, if they had, there's evidence to prove that he did what he did. And I'll tell you, let's be honest, he's indicted. Okay, dude, indictment, going to uh, indict somebody is super easy. It's probably one of the easiest parts of the job. It is a low bar to indict somebody. But to actually get them convicted of what they've been indicted with, good luck. It's a lot harder. And I tell people, like, dude, you have to look at this as a fact of, our government has been weaponized against us. The government has been weaponized against a former president, man. If he don't stand a chance, what makes you think you and I stand a chance? Said, this isn't about Republicans and Democrats. Well, it, it's becoming time, America. We need to sit aside the whole, it's the Republicans, it's the Democrat. No, it is the United States government in general, which has grown too big and too powerful and which is going out of control. And they are seeking to control everything and everybody. This should worry every American citizen. And my thing is, if you can push for Trump to be held accountable, why can you not be pushing for people in your in your specific party to be held accountable as well? I had a buddy I was talking to with, and he said, you know, he's you know, the, the system's still working. And I'm like, bro, the system is not working because there's tons of people in this country that have become victims of crime over the last couple of years that ain't getting justice. Where's the justice for everything that happened to people in 2020 when BLM was riding and taking over the streets? Where's the justice for them? Oh, but there's justice for January 6th, but there's still no justice for 2020. Oh, there's justice for what, quote, unquote, Trump did. But what about all the things that Biden has done? Hillary, the Democrats. I mean, there's Republicans. There's all types of corrupt and fraud in the American government running rampant right now. And the only thing is they got their eyes set on him. And nobody else is being held accountable. So my thing is, you're going to hold him accountable? You better damn well go back and hold everybody else accountable with a D in front of their name. This is a problem, America. And I usually don't tell people to get panic and get up in a frenzy, but man, this is scary. Like I said, Trump's going to be okay. He's got the money and the resources, but like I said, I am here for the American people. And I know in this current economy, where well, we are struggling to fill up our gas tanks and feed our families right now. And how would you, would you even fare if you had to go get a lawyer to defend yourself against some bullcrap being brought on to you by the government because they think you are a political opponent? This is the slippery slope. If you're cheering for this, but you're not pushing for people in your own party to be held accountable, you are part of the problem and you are going to be my enemy. And I'm saying that right here, right now. I'm, I want everybody that's in government that's done wrong to be held accountable and held to account. I don't care what letters in front of your name, Republican, Democrat, Independent, I, Libertarian, I don't care. I want this country to operate the way it should, in which it should be for the people what's in our best interest, not in these selfish, greedy-ass politicians' own self-interest and their own survival and maintaining their power. 
America, it is time to wake up and see that this is not good and this does not end well for any of us. We are literally living in 1984 in George Orwell's book. If you've not read 1984, I need you to go and read that book, man, because this right here is not okay. And this is simply the beginning of the end. And it does not get better for us from this point on. Because like I said, if they have the power to do this to a sitting U.S. former sitting U.S. president, what are they going to do to you? Everybody should be concerned. Everybody should be scared. Now, I'm not telling you to go get guns and go charge the Capitol and go kill Paul. I'm not telling you that. It's not that time yet. It's not time for that yet. We're still in a point to where I think we can still use our rights. And that th I tell people the biggest thing we can do is resist and say no. And the biggest thing we can do is vote for this guy. Because, like I said, there's a reason why they don't want him in power. I have never seen any U.S. president get persecuted to this level. And especially the Bidens with all their corruption and the Clintons and all the crap Obama did in weaponizing the government. Dude, think about it. I'm not, I'm not telling you to like Trump. I'm not telling you to go out and vote for him just because, you know, just, dude, I'm telling you, think about this for yourself. Think about it. I'm like, be reasonable. Why are they trying so hard to persecute this man? And ask yourself, why do you hate him so much? I could understand, yeah, he's brash. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of an a-hole. He's arrogant. He says some stupid things. But think about how America was operated under this man. And look at America now. We got a guy in office that went to Maui where this giant fire happened and fell asleep while he's supposed to be sitting here talking with these people. Bro, our country's a joke right now, man. An absolute joke. And we are no better than Russia, China, or any third world countries where the political systems are just completely collapsed and corrupt. America, we got a problem. We got to wake up. And guess what? You know, uh, it ain't the politicians that are running for president in the next election that are going to fix it. It ain't uh, Ramaswamy or the, the Indian dude that everybody's all up in their arms about, oh, he's so great and so brilliant. He ain't going to save us. Trump ain't going to save us. Biden ain't going to save us. Your local politicians and mayors ain't going to save you. Nobody is coming to help us. Nobody. We, the American people, have to save and help ourselves because our government is not operating in our interest. Our government is operating in the government's interest in gaining more power and more control and pushing all that down to us until we are just puddles of nothing under their feet. This is a problem, America, and it can't keep on like this. It's getting to the point. Something's going to have to get done eventually. And, you know what? and nobody cares right now because it's not happening to you. But when this comes to your door and you voted for these people that are going to keep persecuting this man, just realize you get what you vote for, man. You get what you vote for. And some people think he's dangerous for America. No, the American political system currently as is is dangerous for America. I think Trump is probably one of the best ways to help turn the tide. But like I said, it ain't on him to make this thing better. He can help, but he ain't changing the whole system. We, the people, are the system, and we have to change the system if we don't like how it's operating. It is our duty as an American citizen to throw off any oppressive government that is in the Constitution. That's why this flag flies behind me, because it means something, man. It's getting to that time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hey, I don't want to tell y'all to go out and do nothing crazy. But I'm just saying, man, 
y'all better be getting ready because like i said the government's only going to continue to its reign of terror and get more stronger and get more powerful and you will be caught up under their boot if you don't start standing up for yourself look at what's going on with covid right now the resurgence of covid some places have already started remasking and shutting stuff down Mm -mm. they can only do that when you capitulate and you tell them i'm gonna do everything you say to dad and daddy government i'm gonna do whatever you tell me to do because i just want to be safe i just i'm gonna do whatever you tell me no that is not the american fighting spirit man that is not what we are doing in this country it is time to stand up not just for you you're not standing up for you you're standing up for the next generation of americans to come because there will not be another generation of americans honestly if we keep at this current trajectory and this downward slide man this is unacceptable, man. Our founding fathers will be rolling over in their graves right now. So, man, man, it's been a long one. Coming on an hour and 48 minutes. I told you I was going to be a long one, man, but thank you all for hanging in there with me. I really appreciate you all tuning in. This has been, man, it feels good to be back in front of the microphone. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast. And as always, man, I want to thank you all for tuning in because I do this because I love you all. because I, I love being able to step out and express my opinion and i feel like there's no better time now to start exercising our first amendment rights well every when our constitution is under attack from those within our country like i said america is the last free beacon man you got to think america is one of the last freestanding countries in the world and if america goes away who else there's nobody here man no like i said nobody's coming to save us it's up to us man we got to start standing up and speaking up when you see wrong and like I said, you don't start speaking up when it's safe to speak up. You speak up when you have something to lose. America would not be what it is today if we never had brave men to stand up and fight back with skin in the game, man. It's all about having that skin in the game, dude. It's all about it. And we got we need more men and women to start standing up and speaking out against what's going on in this country. I'm concerned. I'm concerned for my family. I'm concerned for myself. I'm concerned for everybody. I'm concerned for you and your families. Like I said, this ain't about Republicans or Democrats, man. This is about us, we the people, that simple. All right, America? So y'all have a wonderful, wonderful evening. I'm going to go have some Mexican food with my family, and hopefully while I'm out, I don't have to use the bathroom at the Mexican restaurant and get into a whole hubbuckle because I'm a disabled veteran. All right? <laughs> man, hey, thank y'all for tuning in to the I Am Pits podcast. Hey, if y'all could, do me a favor. It's been a while. Be sure to follow me on my YouTube channel, the Iron Pitch YouTube channel. Share the videos. Tell your friends. Tell your families. Be sure to like and uh, like and subscribe on iTunes and all the other places you can find the Iron Pitch podcast. And also, go get the book, Iron Pitch Memoirs of an American Patriot. Man, I just had somebody reach out to me from Australia and give me a shout out. Want to buy the book? So do yourself a favor. Go get the book, Iron Pits. You can go to the website right here. Let me pull it up for you. I am pits.com and get yourself a copy. Get yourself something good to read. Like I said, I still I got I think I'm holding steady at about uh 70 plus views on Amazon, you know. So yeah, like I said, look at this beautiful website. It's mediocre. What am I talking about? It's mediocre. Go yourself, go yourself, get the book, man. Look at that beautiful, look at that beautiful chocolate skin. It's so beautiful, so nice. Like I said, go get yourself a book, go down here, click on the link. It'll take you straight to Amazon or Bonds and Nobles. And if you want it and you get a copy, say, hey, man, I want an autographed copy. We'll work something out and I'll be able to 
exchange with you and uh, get you a signed autograph for the book, okay? So that's going to be it for the On Pits Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you all, and I appreciate the downloads. And guess what? I will see you all on the next one.